On today's episode, T-Rex syndrome, hypothermia, gun racks, and fanny packs. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Hello, and welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. This is a little bit of an interesting one, because uh, the whole episode is dedicated to our friend John Schwarz, aka Airborne, uh, who was actually the very first interview we did for this podcast. The very first thing we recorded uh, was his interview. The plan was we were going to kind of follow him all summer on this amazing trip he had planned that you'll hear much more about later. And he was going to give us uh, reports, but obviously, due to the COVID nineteen uh, situation, you know, he had to cut it short and is home. So we have kind of an interesting scenario where you hear him before when he's all excited and talking about it, and then the aftermath after uh, what's happened. Hope you enjoy it. All right, we're super excited to have Airborne, also known as John Schwarz, in here today. He's a uh, super accomplished through hiker and has some pretty cool adventures planned for next year. Thanks for coming, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see you guys again. Why don't we start out with your big adventure last year? Yeah, so last year I hiked the BCT twice. So I did the BCT yo-yo where I went northbound and then turned around and hiked all the way back to Canada or back back to Mexico. And how long did that take you? Uh, eight months and three days. So 147 days on the way north and uh, 100 exactly on the way south. That's great. So is it safe to say that you're pretty good at walking? I'm a good walker. Awesome. One thing I really found out is walking's not that bad if you just get really into it and that's all you do. You don't spend any other time doing anything else all day long. Just walking. I have to ask, what shoes do you wear for that many miles? So I wear Hoka Challenger ATRs. Yeah, I have to wear them now because also because my feet grew two sizes on trail and now none of my shoes fit. <laughs> so so I, I went home and none of the shoes I have fit me anymore. So I just have to wear new shoes. So how else like did your body like how did you change physically from from that kind of an effort? Oh, I turned into what people on trail and what I've always been calling a like T-Rex syndrome where like eventually just using my legs all day and not my arms, my arms just like I lost all upper body muscle and like my legs got stronger, but I just looked like a T-Rex where my hands like, I was like having trouble opening jars and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened to me? And uh, it's kind of opposite of the guy who only works out his upper body and doesn't do leg day. Like every day is leg day for us. And so you end up just, uh, I got really skinny. I lost what, like about 20 pounds. And I really don't have very much body fat to begin with. I probably have like three to 4%. So that was just all like muscle. I just felt so weak. So do you try to <laughs> yeah. bulk up before you leave? Yeah. Like, is that so, a thing? Like try to gain weight to lose weight? Yeah. So right now I'm trying to just gain back some muscle mass. I'm hiking, but I'm also like working out um, because I know my next trip, my body's going to want to eat that muscle. So I have to like, it's like carry on calories it's like <laughs> built-in calories for my body because um, no matter what it's going to do it I mean I have to average like 33 miles a day for 10 months so so you're you're running a caloric deficit most of that time yeah. is that right you know and so what do you do to sort of balance that out I mean how do you keep your body from just bonking entirely um I'd say one of the things I always carry with me is 
carnation breakfast essentials is what they call it now for us it used to be uh instant breakfast instant breakfast yeah Yeah, we have a big generational thing about that on trail of i still call it the same thing and everybody else calls it breakfast essentials um i do that with chia seeds and granola in like a talenti gelato jar um and if i'm just feeling like i have dinner and i'm just like no still starving then i'll just make one of those shakes and it's about 700 calories 800 calories so if i do that twice a day i can get an extra like 1500 calories in me if i needed to and uh eat a lot in town carry out a lot of burritos a lot of burritos on trail i'll go into a restaurant and just get like three burritos to go and then that whole day i'm just eating like way too many calories <laughs> but my body kind of needs it so it's a weird thing to be like almost eating it all the time but also feeling like you're starving at the same time <laughs> it's was, it was kind of a weird thing where like it starts to play tricks on your mind where like i was like hoarding ramen for like 100 miles i'm like why am i hoarding ramen i don't even eat ramen i'm just like <laughs> oh my gosh I, I think i am starving because when you start to starve like you start to just like hoard food as opposed to actually consume it all the time so it was a weird place in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's go even back to before that. Like, how did you become a through hiker? Um, I was just kind of like a Sierra bum or I was just always in the Sierra, just looking at Google Earth and maps and just going, creating my own trips and trying to connect this meadow to this meadow if there wasn't a trail and just hiking around and ran into some through hikers at Chicken Spring Lake, um, the first lake in this in the Sierra. And I don't know, kind of like arrogantly, but I was just like, well, if they can do that, then I'm pretty sure I could do that. Like, I don't know, I was a good athlete. I was a college athlete. I was like, oh, well, and then I was thinking, well, I'm never gonna be able to do that. I got work, I have a career. Like, I'm never going to be able to take that time off. And then when I hiked it in 2017, I went, I did like the John Muir section. I was in the, in the middle of that in the snow that year. I was just like, all right, next year I'm doing it. Like, this has got to be it. And for my job, it takes, I have to take like a year off. It like comes in cycles. So it's easy for me to pop out for a year and then come back in as opposed to like six months. So then I was like, well, what am I going to do for a whole year? And then I was like, well, I could probably just do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. Why? <laughs> first time you did the PCT yeah that's my first through hike you so okay so most people are like that's gonna be like my biggest life event ever I'm just gonna go you know Mexico to Canada and you're like and back again (laughs) yeah it was was all about I wanted to start early I'd gone through the Sierra now including this year three years in a row in the snow and so I really liked that 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 challenge of it and if I went through early enough I was like well I could probably get to Canada to be just behind Sobos and then at that point you're like way fitter than Sobos were when they started so I figured that would be a really cool challenge to see if I don't know I'm as athletic as I think I am. <laughs> we should clarify Sobo would be Southbounder. Yeah, true. And Novo would be For those that aren't, you know, yeah. <laughs> that don't speak through hiker. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's hopefully a hiker by going the, north and a hiker going south. Yeah, hopefully we'll trans- get you all speaking uh, trail, you know, trail through trail hiker by the end of it. Yeah. But for now, that's that's that, just in case you didn't know. Sometimes I forget all the little terms that have just become automatic on trail that maybe I didn't really necessarily even know before, you know, my exploits on longer trails so you talk about being more fit when you turned around and started coming back and what did you what did you see a difference as far as how many miles you did or did you try to go faster or what were you were you doing anything differently on the trail yeah um so on the way north most of it i was just hanging out with my friends and kind of trying to have a normal through hike experience where i'm with a group and we're taking time off in towns and going to a brewery and just like absorbing all of it of all the cool areas and the culture of the trail and then um, once i hit washington 
going north, um, the last guy in my group turned to me and said, Hey, I'm going to wait for everybody else. Like this is getting a little bit too hard. And cause I was starting to do 30 minimum a day. And, uh, and then, so from then on, it was just like, all right, I'm by myself. Like, this is kind of game time. Like if I said I was going to do this, this is the buckle down period where I need to get by August 1st to Canada to turn around, to give me enough realistic chance to get there. And it was kind of just grind at that point. Like I was just walking all day into the night, getting up before light and just like not doing anything besides walking as fast as I could to get places. <laughs> Did you hit like any inclement weather through the Sierra or through like even like the San Bernardino's on the way down? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so in the Sierra, I got hypothermia and like was really close to dying. Um, I got caught in a storm coming over Silver Pass and uh, by that point, carrying my rain jacket for that long, I was like 10 years old. It just wetted out so quick. And I just didn't have the body mass. I had been pushing really big miles, like mid thirties, every single day average and some forties in there to get down to the Sierra in time. And I, I was just like a twig. I couldn't keep myself warm, got in my tent, <laughs> took me a while to set it up. So I couldn't really use my fingers as I had my gloves shrunk in mammoth when they got washed and they were wool. And uh, so that became a real big issue. And then, yeah, I mean, shivered in my tent for a couple hours um, uncontrollably, uh, passed out and kind of like woke up on the side of my tent, just like flopping like a fish. And uh, and yeah, and that really scared me. I mean, like my dream was me trying to stay awake while I was asleep. So it was like I was trying to stay awake and then like I fell asleep. But. I thought I was still trying to stay awake. And that like really scared me of like, wow, I almost died. Like if you fall asleep when you're hypothermic, that's like what happens in the movies. Like you don't, you don't come back from that. Um, so yeah, then I just kind of ate some food and warmed up a little bit and then had a night hike. And kept going. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, man. I just you're still there, finished man. after that. Yeah, I just sat there and kind of put myself together for a little bit. I was just like, oh my, like that was so scary. I was so rattled and I was like, all right, well, let's take a nap and then let's wake up. And let's wait out the storm. And then I checked the weather windows on my Garmin inReach and saw that there were some gaps between the next storm of when I could travel. So I just traveled outside of the storm windows. So it could be the middle of the day and I was camped. And then it could be the middle of the night and I'm walking over Mather Pass at, you know, midnight just to try to get anywhere where there's clear skies. <laughs> wow. I mean, so what was it like when you actually finished that and then like having to come home? I mean, did you have a pretty big like readjustment period? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that kind of was happening before I even finished. Like once I got within like a couple hundred miles, if, unless barring extreme injury, I was going to make it. And it was pretty easy from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I sat at the one mile mark for tech two and a half hours. And I was just like, so just one more mile. And then this whole thing is over. Like this whole great trip of people being so friendly and accommodating and meeting new people on the fly. It just kind of ends where you don't just meet random like-minded people constantly. And uh, back to normal life where like you meet somebody on the street and you look at them in the eye and say, hey, how's it going? And they like, oh, what, what, who are you? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, I don't know, just on trail. You just always say hi to everybody. And you acknowledge them, make eye contact, say hello at least. And uh, back in real life, it's not so. It just became where I was like that weird guy saying hello to people. <laughs> like randomly on the street. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and then I started walking my dog like really late at night because uh, there's nobody out, especially in the suburbs where I live. So it's like walking by yourself in the woods where you could be walking through parks and stuff, but there's not a soul around. And so I started doing that a lot. Just, to, I don't know. I just really missed the trail. I never really wanted to get off. If it wasn't for financial, you know, having to work, I would probably just 
keep walking for as long as I possibly could. It's interesting because I think a fear that people probably have is that being on trails can be lonely or what are you going to do? And for you, it's almost the opposite where like there was comfort and friendliness and people on the trail. And when you came back to a city where there were actually tons of people, you felt more lonely. Yeah. I mean, I was interesting. really lonely on trail. There was a good like 1500 mile period where I wasn't seeing very many people at all. Like I would go like three or four days without speaking a word out loud. And then I'd be like, uh, uh, and I'd be like oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I got like a dust on my vocal cords. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just really gives you appreciation for people and interactions. And I wasn't really good at being alone before and like it was not mentally easy, but then you kind of just come to peace with it and you realize like, oh, like I kind of like the peace and quiet of that. And I also enjoy this and you learn to enjoy all aspects of it. Like just like how I enjoy hiking with my friends on short hikes or going on overnight trips with friends or doing long things by myself. I just like all aspects of it, of any sort of outdoor adventure is what I like the most, not just picking just one style and then being like, that's the only thing I like to do because I like people way too much. And for some reason, I like to walk really far by myself too. So I don't know how that works out, but. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, you have a couple of, you have some pretty big things planned. Do you want to t- tell us what, what, uh, what's going on? Yeah, so um, I'm going to hike the Great Western Loop, which is a combination of the Pacific Crest Trail, the Pacific Northwest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, the Grand Enchantment Trail, and the Arizona Trail. And then you have to connect Arizona to the PCT. Um, So I'm going to be doing that, which is around 7,000 miles. But I'm also going to add the ends of the PCT, the CDT, the Arizona, and the Grand Enchantment. And it should be like around 8,800 miles total because I got to double back on a couple spots to continue walking. And yeah, I mean, I should just, I just was kind of crazy stuff. And, uh, I mean, last year I was like, if I could do this, I could probably do that. And then I did it and I was like, Oh gosh, Oh no. I'm like, what am now I going to do next? So, so let's pretend I didn't go to art school for a second oh. and can't do math. How many miles per day are you going to have to do to, to complete this? About 33, 33, 34 miles a day. Um, yeah. So the first part is in the beginning of January where I just do the end of the PCT or the beginning of the PCT. And now I'll just consider like training for the, the clock kind of starts once I get to Arizona, but then the clock, the race starts once I hit the Sierra, like once I get to Canyon Meadows, then it's how fast can I get through the snow? Cause then I need to get all the way to Canada, all the way over and all the way back through Northern New Mexico before it gets too cold. So that becomes like a 5,500 mile, 6,000 mile like race. So, so you're starting in January. Yeah. And when do you hope to finish? What is your? Uh, before Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, so end of November. You really like turkey? That that just seems about the right time I'd want to get off at those places. It's going to start to get really cold at that point. It's becoming less fall in the desert, and those hot days turn into freezing. nights. So, um, and I want to do something else maybe afterwards, so I might need that December. Is this going to be self-supported or are you going to have, do you have support along the way? Um, I mean, it won't be self-supported because I'll get rides from people. Like I'll hitchhike and I'll just do like a normal through hiker. Um, I'm not really going for any like record or anything, especially if it ever meant like beating Jeff at a record. I think that would just be laughable for me to realistically beat legend, <laughs> which, um, but you'd like to, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it would be cool. <laughs> but then he would just remind me that he didn't try his hardest. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, with all the extra added ends, there's no any sort of going for any time or anything wouldn't be realistic. I'm more interested in just completing the things that I find interesting. Then I'll leave all the records to Jeff because there's no way I could beat him at any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been doing, I mean, it's kind of when you've been pretty intense training for this. I mean, why don't you kind of describe what you've been doing like lately just, just to get ready for this? Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, my job is pretty physical. I coach soccer and I paint like soccer fields. So I'm out there walking a lot. And then in the evenings I go run for like two to three hours every night, um, up to the top of the Conejo grade where I live and it overlooks the ocean and Oxnard and Ventura and then run back. And I just do it in the middle of the night with my headlamp and just trying to stay fit and trying to keep my dog fit. I'm going to be doing a lot of night hiking. I'm going to have to through some sections. And it's always easier to just keep your mindset in that realm of, I feel like I'm getting soft compared to what I was when I ended the trail where I was just like, wanted to sleep on the ground in my room. And like, and like now I'm just like, oh, duvet covers are great. I just feel myself kind of shifting away from that. So I've been trying to get out and do little overnights where I leave Sunday afternoon after work. I come back Monday morning before work. And I'll just go spend the night somewhere in my tent and just trying to stay in the groove of things. So do you do you have a sense that I need to continually like one up myself, you know, as you as you look at what you did last year and you look what you're doing next year. And then what do you do after that? You know, what do you what do you do for an encore? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the like allure of it is. I didn't, I honestly didn't know if I could do what I did last year, but I knew I had to give my best effort. And if I kept grinding at it, I would achieve my goals. And I did that and I was like, cool, what's next? And then I'm like, well, how much further can this go? Like at one point I was averaging like 37 miles a day in Washington for like a week and a half. And that would have been seemed insane to me. That was more than my biggest day going North, but averaging that every day. And so then I was like, I stopped being sore after a while and it was not so hard. Like 35 mile a day was just like, oh, it's like a day off almost. And then. I was like, where's this going? Like, where, how far can I push this wall back before the wall finally stops moving? And uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of pushing it to see how far I can go. And then if I reach that point, I'll go, cool, day hikes. Like, <laughs> like, overnight trips and like short little trips and because I still love all the different aspects of it I'm just more curious to see how far can I go before I stop enjoying it because I still enjoyed all of it even the hard parts and that's when I was like oh man I think I'm a little weird like, this, is, <laughs> this isn't good like yeah. I want to voluntarily go through all this yeah. <laughs> and I want to see what I can do before I am beyond my physical like prime of being able to just heal. Like I already feel like I'm nowhere near what I used to be. And it's just interesting to see what the human body can do if you're stubborn enough. What's your one piece of gear that you would never go without? My superior wilderness designs fanny pack. Cause it was just so good in town and I don't have a hip belt on my backpack. So, and it's just a basic, a tube. So, um, that just holds all my electronics and it's waterproof. And my phone goes in there and, Everything I need is like right there. And in town, I can take out my backpack and it's still there. Like all my, my wallet and all my like expensive electronics are on me. And so there's not like the little things or, I just like the organization of it. That my my backpacks, my backpacks are great because they're all custom made for my weirdness of like where I want all the little things. For an education, but how does one go about getting a custom made backpack? Like who do you contact? Yeah, so um, I just contacted Superior Wilderness Designs and 
and um, picked out one of their packs and then they have like a little description thing and you can click on like their Instagram and stuff and look at all the different features they've made for other people. And then I just sent them an email of all the things I want. They kind of confirmed back with me and just said like, hey, is this what you're talking about? And I was like, it's exactly what I was talking about. And then voila, a pack showed up and it was exactly what I had imagined and like thought about. And I couldn't have been more happy with them. I still wear them every single night. It feels like my little blankie now. Like I'm a little kid and it's like <laughs> without my, without my backpack on, I feel like I'm lost. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I just, I just contact them and they just, they're very good at working with people and coming up with new ideas. They're always really interested in new ideas. Like I built a new side pocket for my backpack and they were just like, hey, what's that used for? Or what are you gonna use it for? Cause we wanted to be able to recommend that for other people that have similar like ideas for things. And I just like that, how they work with everybody. And my fanny pack was just, they don't make fanny packs. I just sent them a bunch of designs and then they made me a fanny pack and I was like, this is the best fanny pack I've ever made. <laughs> so you couldn't find like a 1980s like Jansport. Yeah. Oh, like, there, yeah. there were none of those out there on eBay that you could like, you know, like a new pack. in the box. Like you I know. had one, but then I like just started getting so precise about where I wanted everything. Like I hated how they had weight that would flop on the fanny pack. So in the one I had along the belt that where, where, the, where the strap is, there's lycra mesh that holds all my heavy ele electronics against my waist. So it's not floppy weight, it's pinned against me. So it's almost like a belt. And then the lighter stuff can go in the actual fanny pack and it just creates less it feels like less weight and I can take two pounds off my backpack, which then helps. You talk about, you know, you like all these other types of adventures. Is it, what is another adventure, like another type of thing you'd, you'd like to try other than say hiking or through hiking? Um, I mean, I used to do whitewater rafting, so that was cool. I went to like, I went to raft guide school and learned how to do that just so I'd be more aware of it if I ever went with, you know, my more experienced friends. Mountaineering is always like the pinnacle for me of that's just more extreme. Like last year when I went through the Sierra in late April, I mean, it was basically mountaineering for 450 miles straight. But uh, just getting more into that like rope team type stuff where I'm not, I've only been kind of thrown on the side of a mountain by more experienced friends and said like, here, don't fall. And they've been like, okay. That so, is good advice though. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's pretty good advice on the side of a, a snowy mountain. And, uh, I mean, I just, honestly, I really like human powered transportation and not in terms of like, I'm not against bikes, but for me, I just, I like walking or like running or so like just different types of hiking is cool to me. Like going to the Channel Islands and rolling a cooler right over to the campsite and then going for day hikes and coming back and having that. I mean, one thing I learned on trail was I really like just camping. I, I never really camped before this, but I did, but very rarely. And I'm like, you know, it sounds good. Just camping, just setting up a, like a table, and like having a real meal and just going for day hikes with nothing on my back and just mixing it up. Like being out there is why I love doing this stuff because there's no feeling like being three months and four months into a trip and just being like, I, this is where I live. Like when I get into town, I feel like I'm like a weirdo. And I'm like, oh, just get me back to the woods. And you get out there and you're just like sitting on some rock and some guy walks by and all of a sudden you're friends and you're sharing something to eat. And those things just don't happen necessarily in big towns or towns in general, I guess. Cool. Well, best of luck to you on your adventures next year. Bring this time, make sure to, your gloves fit and you yeah. have no more hyperthermia stories. Yeah, maybe two, we, two layers. <laughs> it'd be awesome to get an update on, along the trail even. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Let's try to make that happen. And, and uh, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks, Thank Airborne. You. Yeah. Take care. Okay. So that was the segment we recorded um, back in October of 2019. And this is the recording we did last week in April of 2020. Things have uh, definitely changed. So take a listen. 
So a lot of people don't realize this, but Airborne was actually our first in-studio guest on our first ever recording thing. So even though you're hearing this like seven, eight months after it was recorded, um, uh, yeah, this actually was recorded way back when. And now we have Airborne actually with us today. And why don't you tell us basically what happened Airborne and why you're actually here with us today and not actually out on your, your amazing Great Western Loop adventure. Um, so I got to the, the Grand Canyon and um headed north um spent the night at bright angel campground and then got up to the the north rim and when i got there it was all snow and um so i made it 16 miles in the snow and then it got the post hauling was basically to my chest where my backpack was stopping me from going even deeper than my waist um and that was at that point it was just about to get dark and there was a storm coming in and my plan was to walk all night long to get to jacob lake uh before the storm and um and then i started just post holding way too deep um and it wasn't getting any better i moved about 0.3 in 30 minutes um at that point, I kind of realized, all right, this is not good. Um, going to be snowing over a foot in the next day. Um, I need to turn around and just go back. So I turned around, hiked all the way back to into the into the canyon. Um, ended up doing 54 miles that day, my biggest day ever. Wow. With 32 miles of it on snow. <laughs> and then... Um, slept like three hours, got up, went to the South Rim again um, to then start the Great Western Loop portion. Obviously, I wasn't going to be able to make it um, to the end of the Arizona Trail at the moment. Um, when I got back, people were wearing gloves and they were wiping things down. I had no idea what was what was happening. I was I walked in, I was like, what, what is going on here? And they were like, oh, we're shutting everything down. Um, you know, you need, to, you need to go home. And I was like, I... They're like, you need to get in your car and leave. I was like, I don't have a car. I walked here. Shit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was such a crazy experience. I, I thought I was, like, getting punked or something. I was like, what? Um, and then, so the next morning, I woke up, and only way for me to get out was to walk. So I went to the grocery store, got as much food as I possibly could, uh, called the rangers, was like, hey, I need to get a permit so I can go. Uh, down the Tonto Trail to the South Bass Trailhead and then make my way to Seligman on the Great Western Loop. And they were like, we're not doing permits. And I was like, look, I don't have a way out of here. There's no public transportation. No one's hitchhiking. I what, what do I do? And they were like, oh, okay, totally get that. Come to the back door. We'll give you a permit and we'll let you go. I was like, thank you. Like, I don't know what to do. And then... I got to the ranger station and they had already closed it and they were sanitizing it. Like within an hour from me talking to them to this happening, <laughs> it was already shut down and they had little gloves and masks and they were out there wiping it down. And I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't really been in touch with the news and seen this thing trickle in as it had over the previous two weeks. Um, so I was just like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> And just took off, just went down the Tonto, got to South Pass. Um, it was 
I was out of service then for, I don't know, four days in a row. And, uh, and when I got service again, it was like people were, I had, I had a couple of little like threatening messages on my Instagram about people saying like, why are you still on trail? And I was like, I, I'm trying to get off. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm <laughs> like, like come get me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I ended up, um, I mean, that section was extremely beautiful. We saw a pronghorn, antelope, wild horses ran up to us. Or to me, it was like, it was really, um, really awesome. Little did I know what was actually happening in the world. Like for me, I was just like, oh, this is awesome. Man, the Grand Canyon got shut down. They might've had something going on there. And then uh, I got service before I got into Seligman and everything had changed. I mean, the whole, whole world had changed. And um, that was still really far for my dad to drive. It would have been a long time to pick, for me to pick, pick, pick me up. So I called the uh, the family dollar in Seligman and I said, hey, man, this is the situation. I don't want to go into your town. Like, I don't, I don't want to be part of any sort of problem. So the guy took my order over the phone and bagged it up and put it outside when I called him and told him I was getting close. And uh, it was really hard because I – I couldn't buy the things I wanted. Like a lot of things weren't available. A lot of things were, hey, you can get one, you can't get two. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, so I'm piecing together. Like I'm carrying two bags, two of those big boats of cookies, like just for calories. Like I was, so I, I got 40,000 calories. Um, the only reason why it all fit inside my little no frame 35 liter pack was it had been so cold and rainy for the last four days. And the two days after that, that um, I wore every piece of clothing I had, didn't take it off for multiple days. So that was the only way I was able to fit all that food in there was every piece of clothing I had was I was having to wear it because it was snowing and raining and hailing. And uh, it was pretty intense conditions to be basically just walking through no man's land, trying to find a water tank off in the distance and go climb it and see if there's good enough water in it to to then you know fill up completely and get to the next uh the next tank or the next wt on the on the uh topo map where there's just water tanks out there and it's probably like 50 50 whether you get to one and it's working or and it's just water or if it's just bone dry so at that point i was just i don't i didn't know what was going on i was just trying to get as far as i could to california so i could get picked up and uh yeah, it was a pretty surreal experience. Um, for years, you know, when I was younger, you know, you used to think, like, when you're first going out for, like, a long six-day, seven-day trip, you think, man, what if something happened, and I didn't know about it, and I got back, and everything was different. And <laughs> and you think of that as, like, you know, haha, it's funny, you know, it's a little kid's idea. And then uh, it happened. Like, I didn't, it, it didn't sink in. Like, I was like, wait, what? Like, the the society I left was just different now. Um, so for me, it was, I didn't, it started to sink in. Like I didn't, I hadn't been around it. I hadn't seen this happening. Um, and so I got around Baghdad, uh, Arizona, um, and started heading towards Parker. And then I just stopped. I got to a paved road and I was just like, I don't want to go anymore. Like, I don't want to get into that next town. I don't want to, be part of any problem or you know being more known than just your normal through hiker in terms of 
what I've done. Um, I didn't want anyone to look at me and say, hey, he's still on. I can still be on. Or I started thinking about like all the different things that I didn't even know were even in play at the moment. And uh, yeah, I just sat down, called my dad, hungered, hungered behind a bush, like 100 yards into the, into the desert and just kind of sat there and waited. I didn't have enough water to, to really go anywhere. So I just kind of hid in the shade and sipped until, until my dad arrived. And uh, it was kind of intense. I mean, like my dad showed up, I, you know, I cleaned off my hands, I put on gloves and it was just like, what is going on? <laughs> like, I just, I didn't plan for this. Like I had planned for everything in terms of suffering. Like it didn't matter. Like I had been going through three weeks of just rain and snow and mud. And it was just like, I'm going to keep going. Like, no matter what, I'm going to get through whatever obstacles in front of me. My first thought when this happened was like, okay, cool. What are the restrictions they're putting in place? All right, well, I can get around those. Like, I can figure out a way to like call on Family Dollar, have them put my stuff outside where I'm not making contact at all. And then like, as I was planning that out, I was thinking like, what am I doing? Like, because I never even thought about this situation and kind of just was like, yeah, this is beyond trying to find workarounds. This is beyond my vacation. <laughs> you know, this is something I didn't even think was possible that um, obviously just ended my, ended my trip. And it was kind of mind-blowing to, to see the, what was happening and coming from zero to full lockdowns and going like, yeah. wait, what? This is like a movie. It was like, it was very fast for everyone else too. It's like, it went from everyone was concerned to Tom Hanks has it, the NBA shut down, baseball's not going to start. And oh, by the way, you can't leave your house like overnight or like within a day or two. But I mean, at least I think we had been seeing sort of, you know, writing on the wall that something was happening, you know, that, hey, this is very serious. Like the stuff had been happening in Italy. I obviously had been following it in China. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty... It happened very quickly for us too, but I can't even imagine because I mean you just had like even no concept or no idea of it. That 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 must have just been just the craziest thing ever. Yeah, I don't. I hadn't kept up with the news. I don't know. It's like the election this year. I was really looking forward to just kind of being out in my own world and just interacting with the people that are in front of me and uh, just having that experience that really kind of I don't know get you away from the, the animosity of parts of society at the moment and just kind of being genuine with whoever's in front of me and uh yeah when that all changed it was shocking to me I mean I didn't know what to do like I I just gotten so fit I finally gotten to the point where I can kind of just fire at will and I can just hike like 15 hours a day as hard as I want and I'm not getting pains in my ankles and knees and stuff. And I was just able to grind out big days, even in harsh conditions. And then, um, and then boom, that happened. And I was just, didn't know what to do. I got home and I was, I was lost. I think what a lot of people don't necessarily understand too, is like, this is like, you've been planning on this. Like we, the couple of times we've hung out and whatever, I mean, your whole life has been geared 
towards this, working like crazy hours, training crazy hours. I mean, you, you literally put almost every everything else on your life on hold to, to be able to do this. So, I mean, I mean, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, I kind of know what it meant to you and how excited and how whatever you were and to have it like, and not only just end, but end in like this way. I mean, that's just, that's awful, but it's incredibly big of you and like amazing of you to, to, to do it and to see it and to, and to make that what, what is sadly, but, but definitely the right decision. Yeah, I mean, the last 15 months of my life have been dedicated to one single goal, and that's this. Like, am I going to go out with my friend? And then I think, like, nah, it's like two resupplies, so I'm not going out. <laughs> and, like, everything was built on that. Like, I'm tired. Well, I need to get into my house today because I'm going to need that base level fitness when I start. And uh, and then, you know, when this, when this happened, the thing that – I mean, it was really hard the first couple of days. Like I, I was just like in shock and like, I don't want to be in a house. I don't want to be stuck. Um, but what made it easier was it wasn't something that was happening to me. You know, it was something that was happening to everybody. And so it kind of makes it not a, not a situation where I can't feel sorry for myself or I can even care about my trip as much like yeah it sucks but this is something that's happening to everybody not just to my vacation and there's much bigger things at the moment than you know some guy with the savings account walking around the western u.s i mean we don't know but if things do get better in a few months do you think you'll go back out like on the trail i mean i I mean, can you, do you think you could even complete this whole Western loop now if, with as much time as you've lost? Because, I mean, that's a, quite, a, quite a few miles. Yeah, so um, I got a lot of – I have every scenario in my head. Like, I, the first couple of days I sat down, I was like, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens. And I just said – like, I have a million different plans for, you know, hiking's allowed or backpacking's allowed but not through hiking in terms of going to multiple towns. So I have all these different trip stuff. But, yeah, I mean – the first thing would be, you know, like May 7th, um, if restrictions are lessened by May 7th, which I don't think they will be. But, um, yeah. but if they are, then I could start at Kennedy Meadows. I would be about a week behind what my original schedule was. So I'd be ahead a week of what Jeff's Garmeyer schedule was when he did it. So I'm trying to say, I was trying to stay ahead of his schedule because I'm not him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, if it's not till like July that I can get on um, and through hiking is, you know, acceptable, um, I'll probably just jump on up near the PNT and through the PNT and the CDT and the Granite Champ, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think everyone knows I can do the PCT, so that's kind of already out there. And it just depends on when I'm allowed to. Um, I have a lot of different things that I could do, but it just depends on what's, what's available, what's socially acceptable and safe. Um, yeah. And then just going from there, I don't really, it's so up in the air at the moment. It's kind of, you know, I have a million different plans, but then it's like each plan gets kicked that way every other day. <laughs> what are you doing to try to stay motivated and just sort of stay positive? Because, you know, cause I, there's like this uncertainty. It's like, there's like you said, there's a million plans, but yeah. every, every day it's like, it could be different. So what are you doing to stay positive and stay motivated? Nothing. 
Um, <laughs> you're, you're not. not. <laughs> you're not. Yeah. You're in a funk. Um, yeah. I, I got some. I got some band work. I got some some like resist, resistance bands on Amazon, and uh, I've just been trying to. There were some. So I got hurt three weeks before I started the Arizona Trail. So I didn't do anything for three weeks before, and it kind of ruined a lot of my fitness right before I started. So, um, so basically, I worked my way up to in, into being fine, and it took me a lot of massaging and stuff with my trekking pole on my on my hips. But um, now I'm fine. But I just kind of realized where I had some some weakness points because of that. So I've just been kind of trying to strengthen those those little areas and make sure that if and when we do get the all clear that maybe my hiking legs aren't there, but the overall smaller muscles that had started to fatigue once I start, you know, doing crazy long days, um, that those are just somewhat in shape and a little bit better. And, you know, this is all kind of uncharted territory for everybody. So I'm just trying to stay fit. Um, much as I can obviously I'm not trying to go outside that much I don't go outside really until really late at night when I know no one's going to be out there um or it's raining I love when it's raining these days because when it's raining no one's walking our dogs so I just put on my rain gear and I just go walk in the rain so just trying to stay fit and trying to stay you know doing what I'm supposed to do and doing what everyone's supposed to be doing and uh as I can see all four of us are in different places instead of all in the same studio right now so yeah you know we're all just trying to do what we can and work with whatever guidelines are thrown down for that day or the next day. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing push-ups. I'm doing lightweight stuff. I mean, I'm not really much of a gym guy anyways, but I'm trying, but there's <laughs> yeah, not much I could. The only way to simulate 35, 40 miles a day is to walk 35, 40 miles a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it sucks to see the fitness start to wane. But, you know, I keep myself, I try to keep myself as busy as possible with, you know, Netflix or my mom's been making tons of masks because she's a quilter and quilting material apparently extremely good for making masks. So she's been cranking out 15, 15 a day and we've been just trying to send a family and the local hospital and uh, just do what we can, you know, I mean, this is kind of like a, it's almost like a Rosie the Riveter type situation in World War II where, you know, the random people are doing things to make a difference. And uh, we come together, we can get through it. But it obviously sucks. <laughs> I think it's yeah. admirable that you, that you recognized it when you did and, and did the best that you could with your two feet. Because, like, literally that's the resources you had to get some <sighs> closer. So, like, yeah. I think it's admirable that, you know, um, for those who are like, well, you stayed on trails, like you kind of had to because <laughs> you didn't have any options to get back. But then it was nice to hear that your sort of immediate reaction was, okay, like, how do I switch? And like, how do I get to some place where I could get home? Um, yeah, and that was... Without endangering other people, right? Like, yeah. Without potentially putting yourself in danger or other people in danger. So um, I just admire that and yeah. Well, that was the thing is for me, it was like, <clears throat> you know, I'm like early 30s, healthy guy. I was like, I could very well be an asymptomatic person that is fit and fun. Everyone thinks it looks always oh, doing well. And I could be the guy who's spreading it to these tiny little towns in the middle of nowhere. And uh, 
so yeah, I mean, all I could really do at that point, and I was trying to limit how many stops my dad would have to make. Like he would have had to stop for gas like three or four different times along that route. And it's a pretty heavily traveled route. And uh, I was trying to get as far away from the Grand Canyon as possible, far away from tourists as possible. Like in between Baghdad and Parker, Arizona, there are no tourists. Like <laughs> it is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was my goal. Like it was, it was weird though, because this had happened so fast for me that from Seligman to Baghdad, it's like a very, very remote dirt road that I followed pretty much the whole way. And uh, anytime I'd hear like a truck coming, I would hop behind the trees off the road and hide. And I was like, I, I don't even know what's going on. Like, I, don't, I just don't even, I don't even know what is going on. All I know is I have <laughs> no contact with human beings. And so I'm going to just be a ghost and get as far as I can to where I can get picked up. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really weird. I, that, that section of trail is, was absolutely amazing. It's just very remote dirt roads, but it's more remote than most trails I've been on in terms of wildlife and feeling like you're truly out in the wild. Did you document any of it, like video or photos or? I have photos. Yeah. I have photos. Um, I stopped posting because I didn't want to encourage anybody else. But also, I don't know, I had this feeling that right now is not the time for my vacation story in terms of me posting a bunch of pictures and considering the time that I was out there it was when things had started to happen. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but in like in my head, like I, I could, I, I'll tell this story in terms of with my Instagram or stuff like that. Um, I'll tell that story later on when yeah. it's not as happening right now, where there's not like you know the death toll's not climbing extremely high, and I don't know. I just don't. I feel like. I don't want to be the person that takes away any sort of attention towards, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I think, but I'm just kind of lost. To be I don't know. I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit and say that I think there's, you know, a lot of people out there who are still trying to, there's still people who are on the fence of like, well, like I'm going to be remote. I'm going to be someplace where it's not that big of a deal. And I think your story of coming off the trail, I think is a good one. And I think, um, sort of the thought process I've, I've talked to a lot of people it, and how hard it was to get home you know what I mean like yeah I think I think there's actually a part of that story that isn't glorifying it or isn't um you know making it be like oh well he stayed out longer like I think your story was as soon as you figured out what was going on you're like oh crap how do I get home how do I do it safely like <laughs> jumping in bushes to make sure like cars don't stop because you don't know I mean like it's a little sci-fi funny and it'll be funny <laughs> it was goes on. um but you know it was like that movie but I mean you know, that it, it wasn't fun to be out there and that it was scary to be no. out there yeah. and that sort of social responsibility that went with being stuck out there. So I've, I think I've, I've talked to some of the people that I know were, were still out there. Like I've talked to them individually and let them know my story and like what I was feeling and like, look, I get it. Like it's not saying like I'm the most determined person in the world, but like I'm pretty insane when I get a goal in my head. Like, 
I could have been, you know, broke my wrist and I would have kept going. Like I broke my arm. Like I was not, I was going to find a way to crawl my way to the finish. And uh, when something like this came up that I didn't expect and it's, you know, it's your social responsibility to get off. <laughs> I can imagine in like, you know, it's probably some of those small towns in like Arizona. I mean, kind of scary too, right? I mean, if you're coming into this, you have no idea how crazy and extreme it is. I mean, you, I mean, I could, I'd be worried about getting shot in some of these places and whatever. And you never know, they might want to shoot you in some of these places. I mean, it, it's you did the right thing by handling it that way. Honestly, the safe thing. Yeah, yeah, I have a good story about that. I was getting into Seligman. I was like maybe 25, 30 miles north of Seligman, and you know, I'm using this this hunting app called Onyx, which kind of lets you know when where private property is, where hunting is allowed, you know, where government land, where any reservations are, it lets you know who owns what plots of land. And uh, so I'm walking down this dirt road, it's called Six Shooter and like Gun Flint Road is like the intersection. And I get there and this guy drives by and like, I mean, he looks really like messy. And he drives by in this really old flatbed truck and he's got like a Nas energy drink. And this little girl is super dirty and like in the passenger seat. And he looks out the window and goes like, what are you doing out here? And I was like, oh, I'm hiking from the Grand Canyon um, down to Seligman. And he's like, cool. Well, I just want to let you know, if you step on anybody's property out here, we will shoot you. And I was like, okay, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm staying on the roads. And he's like, cool. I just want to let you know, you step one foot over those fences. Everybody out here will shoot you. And I was like, okay. I'm like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no problem, buddy. Th thanks for the friendly warning. <laughs> what, what's the opposite? What's the opposite of trail magic? <laughs> no. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of weird. That was the only person I had seen in like five days. This guy drove by in the truck and was like, you should take one step off that side of that road and we will shoot. And I was like, okay. This is like, uh, you know, the Walking Dead zombie movie scenario. Yeah. You know, it's like, you never thought it would ha actually happen. That's what was like going through my head at that moment. Like, I had just gotten service like four hours before that for the first time in like four days. Uh, and this is like the guy with like the, the gun hanging right behind his behind his head on the back window of the of the of the truck and, and you know wasn't like a a nice farmer that had guns yeah. like it looked like some guy that like you do not want to go to his homestead because it's going to turn into like Waco or something like that like it was crazy to that be my only human interaction for for days on end <laughs> so I don't know uh, remind me I don't remember if we asked at the beginning how many days were you on trail before you had to come off like so how how far into your journey had you gone i had done 1300 miles a little over 1300 miles total since january because i did that in january i went from from mission creek or from campo to start the pct all the way up past palm spring okay um and uh so i already had 220 miles in and then yeah just a lot of i did some extra miles because it was fun i went and climbed a couple extra little random things and and then the snow started and it got it got rough you know I, all those snowstorms that were blasting here were just as bad in Flagstaff area and um, yeah I mean I had some days where I was post to my knee and I just had to walk until 
I got out of it. There was no timetable. It was just, you can't stop here. You can't stop. There's nowhere to, nowhere to set up. There's nowhere to even sit down and take a break. Um, you just gotta, gotta keep going until it's over. And then, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird because it was just about to start getting nice. Like I had been like having my eye on the, the light at the end of the tunnel of like, I'm going to the desert. It's going to be colder. Or it's going to be like hotter. It's going to be no snow. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like nicer. And then it just got shut off right after like three weeks of storms. But Arizona is absolutely gorgeous. There's more wildlife in Arizona than people would ever imagine. I mean, I've never seen a pronghorn. I've never seen an antelope. I've never seen, had wild horses run up to me in a group. Like, that was, that was an experience. Like, it was, it was snowing sideways. It was windy. And these horses just ran straight up to me. And I'm sitting there going, like, whose horses are these? And then I look, and they don't have any horseshoes on. Like, they don't, their hair's all matted. They're, they don't have any horseshoes. And, and then, like, the main horse just, like, made a big horse noise and like moved its head to the side and then they all went oh and then they all followed him off in the distance again and um yeah it was it was an amazing experience it was just what was happening around me at the same exact time was the opposite and it was kind of um kind of a good way to go out i guess because i was able to get that cross country or navigational type stuff in and see all kinds of wild animals and then it just made me realize how much I do like it even though those days were so rough like probably one of the hardest things I had on all a trail was that day that we saw the horses I hid behind a tractor wheel for about an hour during the worst of it just balled up just trying to get warm because it was just coming in sideways on me and um but when I look back at that day now I just look at I look back at it with nothing but just amazement and wonder and I would give anything to be behind that tractor wheel freezing right now. <laughs> and not stuck in your bedroom or whatever. Yeah. yeah. We all have dreams. It's nice to yeah. My dream is being stuck behind a tractor wheel. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so the thing is, it's, I think this is really showing people um, just how lucky we are. And it's, you know, like, I just want to be out there. I don't care if it's on a 8,000 mile hike. Or if I'm just going out for an overnighter and I'm doing eight miles in, eight miles out. What really matters to me is just being out there. I like all modes of walking transportation. And all different styles of backpacking are interesting to me. It's, I just like to pick different ones at different times when things are available. <laughs> but also, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to get off too is the guy in Seligman told me, he's like, hey, man. Just to let you know, we're a really small town. This is the only grocery store. We're not getting lots of shipments right now. So if there's people coming through that aren't locals that are buying up our groceries, our locals might not have enough groceries. And that's kind of why I had to like pick cookies and like random things that nobody was was gonna take as essentials. And uh, that really hit home with me about disparity what was going on well i mean it's it's hard for me to like knowing i mean having kind of been talking to you about this over the last year you know and and, and hanging out and seeing you I, I can tell your dad i just really want to like give you a hug and buy you a beer and a burger but i mean you know obviously that's a little ways off 
But I mean, all, all I can say is, I mean, I'm, I'm super proud of you for what you did and, and it's amazing and you did an amazing thing. And then you did an amazing, not only just the, the, the feat of, of the trail and the hike you did, but also then like making this decision and, and how you've gone about it. And, and, you know, so as a friend, I couldn't be prouder of you in that way. And, and you know, I'm really sorry that, that, that it ended, that it's, well, who knows, maybe it'll be able to pick up later, but it seemingly ended this way, or at least you had this delay and, and hopefully things will pick up and, you know, you'll find, you'll find a, you'll be able to get out, get outdoors soon and, you know, be back outside. Hopefully we all will. next to a tractor wheel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's beyond, you know, my trip is what it really came down to was, uh, you know, it's about getting everyone through this and I'll be able to go hiking again, you know, whether it's because of regulations and stuff, maybe it might just be like, you know, an out and back where I can go out and then back to my car and then back straight to my home, you know, before restrictions are eased to the point where I can, you know, be a filthy human and walk between towns. <laughs> so, um, whatever it is, you know, we just got to make the most of it and do what's right for, for everybody, for the most vulnerable, not just, you know, a healthy guy with ambition. Well, that's going to do it for us. If you want to follow Airborne's epic adventures, which will hopefully be back underway soon, you can find him at John Schwarz. That's spelled J-O-N-S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-E. Please make sure to subscribe to us and follow us on social media on Instagram at almostthere underscore AP or the Almost There Adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to follow Severia, you can follow her at Adventure Us Women. That's Adventure US Women. Jeff at The SoCal Hiker and me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. If you aren't already, follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and listen to their new album, Miles From Nowhere, which is out now. Think of it as homework because next week's episode, we feature an interview with PB of Opus Orange. And as always, thanks again for listening. <laughs>